Take your Bibles and turn with me tonight to Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. We're in a series that we have titled, It's Coming. It's Coming. There's many things on the, on the horizon that's waiting to come. Uh, we're, this world clock, you might say, is ticking down. And a lot of things are, are happening very fast. We see a lot of changes. I, I, you know, as when I was a kid, I remember preachers getting up and preaching about the return of the Lord and, and about the end times and about, uh, about the tribulation period and different things of that nature. And, I, and as, even as I got older and then being in the ministry and, and preaching and studying and, and now watching a lot of these things that are really coming quickly and uh, picking up speed and unfolding fast and a lot of things going into place that uh, really when I was even younger as a child, they weren't there. And now it's almost like that big snowball that's rolling down a mountain. As it goes down the mountain, it, it gets bigger, but it goes a lot faster. And that's kind of where we're at in this timing. And we're looking at some things that is coming. And uh, not to scare people, but to warn people, but also to... Well, I'll tell you what, we're living in... You, could I put it this way? We're living in some exciting times. You say, well, preacher, they don't, they don't sound too exciting when you begin to talk about all this stuff, about the tribulation, the Antichrist, and all that. No, it's exciting times. It really is. You say, is there a little bit of a scare there? Oh, you know what? There's a little bit of apprehension because you know that all this is coming about, but yet... You still got questions about some of it yourself, you know. But you know what? When I begin to look at the scripture and we're not to be fearful. And yes, I believe that there's very likely we're going to see some difficult times. We may deal with that yet um, uh, in this series. But the fact is, is that we are living in exciting times to see some things coming together that we used to really wonder how's it going to happen. And now we're seeing a lot of it coming about or things are in place so that it can happen quickly. And uh, really, you say, well, what are we waiting on? We're just waiting for the Lord to catch us out of here. That's where we're at. We're waiting for the Lord to catch us out of here. But there's some things that uh, very likely we're going to see and, and take place. That, and we're trying to cover some of that. We're going to go ahead and, and we'll go through a, a pretty good series. I wouldn't go as far. Into, and the more I study, the more I think, well, we ought to go ahead and, and uh, cover uh, even more. And so we'll be covering quite a bit of stuff in the next several weeks in this. Uh, Daniel chapter 7. If you would please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. We're just going to read three verses here and we'll let you sit down. Uh, Daniel chapter 7, we begin reading in verse 23. says, Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. And the ten horns out of the kingdom are ten kings that shall arise, and another shall rise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings, and he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. Three and a half years. Okay. I'd like to preach a message I've titled, The Coming One World Government. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for loving us. And Lord, there is so many things, Lord, and yet there's things we don't understand. But Lord, I, 
I think we can see enough, Lord, to piece some things together to have a closer understanding. And Lord, I pray that you just give us wisdom. Lord, it's not just about getting information, but it's about preparing our hearts and doing what we can while we have yet day to get the gospel out, to reach others. It's about stirring our hearts for the ministry and, and, and seeing souls saved and living for you now. Lord, may this stir our hearts. May we be moved. We'll thank you. We'll praise you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You be seated. Let me say this. Uh, in the study of this, one of the, one of the things I always fear a little bit that when you start dealing with prophecy and start dealing with the end times that a lot of people like to hear that. I mean, and, and that's good. That's fine. But there should be a reason for hearing it. Not just information. But it should stir our hearts knowing that this time is coming. That it's even at hand. And it should be a launching pad really for your life and for my life to stir our hearts that, that we need to be reaching the lost today. Not tomorrow, not next week, not putting it off otherwise what I'm saying. But doing everything that we can to reach the lost now. Because many of these things that we're talking about could start tomorrow, could start today. It could be family members, it could be co-workers, it could be neighbors, it could be just acquaintances. And, and really the, the purpose behind a, a studying and looking at Revelation is to see how it's all going to come together so that we are stirred knowing that our God's going to catch us out of here. But we are, are living in a short period of time before that rapture. And we need to, to be living for the Lord. And, and man, man, boy, could I, could I put this to you? I'm, getting, I'm not even on my notes yet. But the, the thing of it is, I, I see the importance to, to say this tonight. Christian, you need to be living for God. Amen. Not playing games. Your life should be different from the world. And your life should be pointing others to Christ. When they see your life, do they see a Christian or do they just see somebody else that's just like the rest of the world? When we talk, when we, the way we dress, the, the things that we do, the places we go, the, how we handle our, our, uh, the disappointments or the problems that we face, uh, anger and everything else, uh, the jealousy, uh, and how we, our whole life is so important. And especially in these last days. Because as the things begin to tighten and things begin to change, People are going to look for something that's real. Something that has the answer. And if you're just like the world, they won't look at you. And they won't come to you. Sad to say, a lot of Christians, well, I'm going to heaven. That's really all that matters. Well, I'll tell you, I can take you over Scripture. It talks about that their, hand, their blood will be required at our hands. Well, I'm about to get on another message here. I better get on one we're supposed to tonight. But I just felt like I had to say that. Because so often we just take it as knowledge and yeah. But it's so much more than that. 
The companion, a companion verse, you might say, to this uh, is in Revelation chapter 13. And let me just read one verse here because it really goes on deeper and, 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 and leads right into the tribulation. But in Revelation chapter 13, it says, And I stood upon the sand of the sea. And notice what he says here. He says, And saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. And it's kind of a companion scripture, you might say, to this. But what we're seeing here is you look at these verses in Daniel, and Daniel's seen in his day the ruling factor of the world. But what we're seeing as a ruling factor of the world, there's different stages that down through history, all the way back Daniel, Eve before Daniel, you had a ruling factor of the world. And it begins to change, and, and, and within the changes is more changes. And I could have went down and broke down several of them, but I thought, man, that's just too much stuff to deal with here. But where we're at here, what happened here, what we're going through, as you look at this, is there's different stages at the world that's going through. And the second stage is what is called the, um, the empire imperialism stage. And that's where we're at right now. We're in the second stage of that imperialism stage. A division two, what they call a division two. You say, what do you mean by that? Otherwise, it's separated into two powers in the world today. We've got two separate powers. You have the Western power and you have the Eastern power. And there's a balance in, in, in many respects there. You have you have this, uh, uh, this, this power that's, this, that in the world today, it's a, it's a, it's a power that is, is, is taking uh, the world and controlling the world in many respects. But there's coming a one world government that will, a stage that will do away with those two stage division. A one world government that will do away with it. At some point, the East and the West balance of power will break down, leading to a one-world government. Look at verse 23. It says, And he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be, notice what he says here, diverse from all kingdoms. And notice what it says here, And shall devour the whole earth. Doesn't mean it's going to kill everything. It just means it's going to take over. And shall tread down and break it in pieces. There is coming a collapse of the East and the West balance of power. There's coming a collapse. And when that happens, there's going to be a one world government that will come on the scene. Are these East and, East and West balance of powers of our day and how will they disappear? Well, first of all, you have Russia and the Muslim bloc of nations holding the power in the East, and you have the United States and other democracies holding the Western power of balance. So you have the two, you have the balance of power, and, and you know, a lot of times we look at it as good and evil because of the way we're looking at things, but really what you've got, you've got, you've got Russia and the uh, Islamic, uh, the Muslim uh, bloc of nations in that area, that really hold in the world, in the eastern part of the world, the power. You have in the western part of the world, what we call the West. Have you ever noticed on, uh, when they're talking about uh, America, they're talking about the West. They're talking about the West. When they're talking about Russia, they're talking about the East. 
Even in the Ukrainian war and everything, they're talking about the East as, as Russia and so forth, and they talk about... Uh, the NATO countries and so forth as being the Western Bloc, England and, and America and, and those countries, that democracy countries. But there's coming a time when both of those are going to collapse. And when that happens, when that happens, there's going to be a one world government take over. Well, you have... As we look at the fall of these East and West powers and make way for one more government, the question is, is how will this happen? How's it going to happen? Because we're looking at superpowers. You're looking at Russia, and we, we've seen that Russia is, is, is struggling really to fight against Ukraine. But Ukraine really, if you want to get down to it, Ukraine is receiving a lot of help from the Eastern powers. Or not the Eastern, but the Western powers. And there's the battle going on there. Well, the eastern bloc of nations with Russia will fall because of the Ezekiel 38 and 39 war that we preached on last week. That will be the fall of that eastern bloc. There in Ezekiel 39, verse 1 says, Therefore, thou son of man, prophesy against Gog, which is the leader of Magog, which is, which is Russia, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. And I will turn thee back and leave but a sixth part of thee, and will cause thee to come up from the north parts, and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. And I will smite thy bow out of thy hand, and cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right hand. And thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands, and the people that is with them. He's talking about these Muslim countries in this block in the east. That they're going to fall there in the, in the mountains. It says, I'll give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort and to the beast of the field to be devoured. Thou shalt fall upon the open field, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord. And people would say, well, preacher, that's going to be the armies that's in there. What about the, I mean, there's still a lot of people going to be in Russia and so forth. Well, you find in verse 6 there, it says, and I will send fire on Magog. Magog is the nation or the country of Russia. And he says, I will send a fire upon that. And among them that dwell carelessly, so they're, they're up there, they're, they're not in the battle, they're, they're, they're up there and living in that, in, that, in that country, that nation of Magog, which is Russia. And he said, I will send a fire. Otherwise, he, uh, we don't know exactly what that is. Uh, uh, who knows? Maybe they're going to all of a sudden get uh, nuked. I don't know what's going to happen. But he said, I will send a fire, whatever God decides to do, among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Many of them will be wiped out. You will see Israel's power, not Israel, but uh, uh, Russia's power come and diminish to nothing. And that eastern block of countries there will lose that balance of power in that, in that, that region. But the great question is, and I know that's in your mind, it's always in my mind, what about America, the superpower? We look around and we would like to think that nobody could defeat us. That's not true. We'd like to look and we'd like to think that we would never lose that status of being a superpower. 
But there's an apparent decline in America as a superpower, even, now listen to me, even before the Eastern powers fall, before the Ezekiel 38, 39 war. We see very little spoken of, no, of America. And, and you would think as America that we would be a big player, that we would be recognized somehow in a large way in the Word of God in the end time prophecies. But you don't find that. In fact, you just barely find a hint of America. Notice the reaction that possibly America and other democracies concerning the invasion of Israel by Russia and its alliances in, in Ezekiel 38 and verse 13 says, Sheba and Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish, and all the knows what says and all the young lions. You know what we are? America is one of the young lions. We are a cub off of Great Britain. And we're referred to a nation that is a superpower as a young lion, a little bitty, no powerful lion, little, the little lions. He says, has gathered thy, no, he says, and shall say unto thee, art thou come to take spoil, a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy company to take a prey? To carry away silver and gold, to take away cattle and goods, to take a great spoil. If you'll stop and think back a few years ago, when they were shooting those missiles and stuff into, in, into uh, um, Israel, we set up Patriot missile systems over there to block that, and we, done, we was trying to help them and protect them. We have come to a place where there's a lot of people in our government that no longer stands, I'm sorry, no longer stands with Israel. We've come to a place in our nation where there's a lot of people that no longer stand with Israel. We've come to a place where America is turning its eyes away from what's needed over there. In fact, we've got leaders in our, in our government that wants Israel to give up land to the Palestinians that belongs to Israel. After the Palestinians are continually time and time and time and time again shooting the, the missiles out of, out of Gaza over in, into Israel and, and, and all the time. And I mean, we're not talking about one or two. We're talking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of missiles. Constantly terrorists from there going in and trying to kill Israelis just on the street. And it's not a matter that People are wanting to, them to just have a little piece of ground. They want Israel to not even exist. We've got people in our government right now that wants Israel tried on terrorist, uh, uh, terrorist uh, principles because they are defending themselves. When they shoot the missiles over, they maybe put a put a, uh, a, a jet plane in the air and they bomb those places where those missiles come from. 
And they want to say that they're terrorists because sometimes where they're shooting those from is from a housing division or something. And maybe some civilians get killed. I'm going to tell you something. If you don't want your civilians killed, get them out of there or quit shooting the missiles off. But we've got people in our government that calls Israel and wants Israel labeled as a terrorist state. I'm talking about our government. And so we see here is before the Russia as they gather their armies and they're getting ready to go into Israel that all you see is all talk and no significant action on their part. Apparently no longer superpower status with the fear from other nations. Because if America stood as an alliance with Israel as they should and as we have in the past, if, if, if Russia or something began to say, we would automatically, because of our nation's status with them, we would say, hey, listen, we will fight with them and we will be over there. We will run our bombers over. We will do whatever we have to do to protect Israel. But all you see in Ezekiel 38 is them saying, why are you doing this for? You're just going after spoil and things, you know, and, and really it's just kind of like a slap in the, on the hand. We hear more and more out of our government about diplomacy. Saying we're going to sanction you. Saying we're not going to buy your goods. Or we're going to do this or we're going to do that. Or we're going to, we're going to like we've done in Russia, we're going to put sanctions or we're going to freeze the accounts of your oligarchs and, and your czars over there. We're going to freeze their accounts and we're going to take their money. Has it stopped Russia? Absolutely not. Has it made it uncomfortable for them? Probably. But our government has got so weak. And it looks as though in this particular time here that America no longer is a superpower. Not taking a significant role. And since the Bible is really silent about America, which in our day is a superpower, there is some something that removes that superpower status from America. And when America falls as a superpower, so will all the other democracies go with them. Because America is the foundation under these other countries. You say, what do you mean the foundation? These are big countries. No, you go look and see how much money, how much armament, how much military power that we shove into all these countries. And we got, we've got uh, 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 army base, uh, military bases all over these countries. And, and we, you, you listen, they're flying our airplanes. They're using our defense systems. They're use, they've got, some of them's got our missiles and things of that nature set up. And when that superpower no longer exists, that whole eastern or western superpower block will fall. You say, well, how could it happen? We don't know. Let me give you some possibilities. I'm not saying these are what's going to happen, but let me give you some possibilities of things that could happen. A moral implosion. We are coming apart morally in America. We are coming apart at the seams. Where we now call boys, girls, and girls, boys, and, and now having operations even in, in children in grade school to change their bodies. 
to match a preference of a six-year-old that doesn't have any idea what's going on. A moral implosion. I mean, you look around and now it's, it's to a point of, of if you don't call them by the proper pronoun, in some states you can be fined, in one state, up to $10,000 by not calling them by the proper pronoun that they want to be addressed by. A moral implosion. A lot of things happening there. Terrorism. It could always happen. Economic collapse. If you, and they've been working on this and trying to get this changed. And I think that it will work in the fu- into the future uh, during the tribulation period. Why is it, but it could be part of what causes the collapse. An economic collapse changed the world currency from the dollar. See, what do you mean? I, I thought it was euros and everything else. No, when, really when you look, most countries, when they trade on the, on the market, when they trade on the market, it's trade in the U.S. dollar. When they buy oil, it's traded in the U.S. dollar. Even though the oil is coming from Saudi Arabia going to wherever, another nation, it's traded in the U.S. dollar. They are now working on that and trying to change that, and, some, and, and in some instances have already changed all that. And Russia definitely wants that. They want to trade it in the ruble because they want to take that away from America because when you, when you wipe that out, then what happens to the dollar? Boom. It hits the bottom. Because why would it do that, preacher? Because we got off the gold and the silver standard years ago and we have nothing to back our money. Nothing. And we are just continually running printing presses right now. Printing money that there's nothing to hold it up with. And that's why you got inflation. That's why you got all this stuff going on. No accountability in that. That's one possibility. The nation's dependence upon oil and the refusal to use our own oil to drill and to bring up our own oil because of the climate regulations that we're in. You wait till we get into this and study a little bit. I shouldn't tell you this, but a little bit of what's going to happen is going to pull together. And part of this stuff on the one world religion is is climate change in many respects. Because it is a factor that is pulling nations together. And it's become like a religion tool. Now, it's not all that, but it is a little bit pulls together. And America... I mean, we, it, we've got ships at sea, two ships that have burned up at, the, at sea because of electric vehicles on them. we got homes all over America that have burned up because of the electric vehicles. You say, you against electric vehicle? You better believe I'm against electric vehicle. They're stupid. They ain't got any sense. You can't charge more than one or two of them on any street in Marshall at the same time with a supercharger. You can't do it. I've talked to mechanics. I talked to one here that is the head mechanic in Ford, and he says, listen, he said, he said, they want us to put them on those superchargers and charge them things fast. He said, those batteries hate it, and they get hot, and he said, they can't hardly handle it. We don't have the infrastructure to handle it. 
but yet we're pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and mandating that all this stuff has to happen. They're going to, they're changing they're, with all this climate stuff. They're changing your Want to change? They want to change your washing machine. They want to change your your dishwasher. They want to change your hot water heater. They want. To, it's going to get to a point where you can't cook anything, or do anything, and it's going to cost you more and more and more. So there's that uh, that those regulations that could cause America to actually back up and not be a superpower. There's a war that could happen, an atomic or maybe an EMP weapon. See, so what's an EMP? It, it is an electromagnetic pulse bomb. If you set it off over the power grid, it will completely fry the power grid. It's already proven that our power grid in the United States is so vulnerable and we are so far behind in protecting it that that's probably what China keeps looking at and they know it. If they shut down the power grid, you're not going to launch any missiles in protection. You're not going to do anything. You're back to a third world country. You'll have no lights. You'll have none of the stuff. I mean, yeah, you can rig up some off of a battery for a while, but after a while, you're going to have to ch charge it off of, off of a solar panel or something. But it's going to fry electronics, the computers, and everything else. So maybe that might be something, in a war or something like that, whether it be China or maybe North Korea shoot off some, some nukes and, and get us down to that status or whatever it might be. It could be a civil war from the political fallout that we've got going. America has never been as divided since the Civil War as it is right now. And this isn't for or against, but I'm going to tell you something, if President Trump gets in there and he gets to become president it's going to be a battle he's hated that much it could become a civil war possibility that America gets so enraptured in fighting themselves there's always been the the talk of the cessation from, from, the, from the United States, such as Texas and other states pulling out and, and forming their own nation, could happen. Those things could bring America down. Maybe it's just weakened political leadership with a strong stand, without any strong stand and, and withdrawals from the superpower status. We're not going to fight. You're all on your own. We've got our own problems to take care of. And we're just all in here. We've got to make sure everybody gets called by the right pronoun. And we just got to make sure that everybody's driving an electric vehicle. And we just got to make sure that everybody's only got a one burner electric stove and it'll only heat up to about 75 degrees. We just got to, we just got to get all this done. And so we don't have time. You say, well, preach, that couldn't happen. Right now, America is the laughing stock of the world. Because of the weakness of our government. And I'm not trying to be mean, but you show me another nation that has a president that don't hardly even know where he's at, stumbling and bumbling through even speeches. And I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not trying to make fun of you. I'm just saying this is, this is what I'm talking about, that we could get to a place easily 
that we just don't care about anybody else. That we don't try to protect anybody else. We've become so passive that we just don't want to do anything. But then there's the one that I really think is a good possibility. It's called the rapture. If the rapture was to happen today, Barna Research estimates, counting children, that there would be at least 25 million people removed from the United States of America. Can you imagine what removing 25 million people from the United States of America would do to the infrastructure, to the country? I mean, we're talking about people that runs, you know, keeps things running. We're talking about people that, that man, if, they're, if they don't have somebody to replace them, if they're not there, man, things going to shut down. You're going to have a problem. We're talking about people that take care of the atomic energy, and we're talking about people that police officers and different ones like that that, that keep things in check. And, and then you're going to have all the chaos of all of a sudden everybody being gone and people going, what happened to my family? What happened to my children? What happened to my wife? What happened to my husband? What happened to my grandma? What happened to my mom? What happened to my dad? What happened to these people? Why is this plane crashing? Why is this... What's this going on? And, and all these things, and, and trains aren't stopping, and they're going on through. There's nobody there to control these things. And you see a chaos from just merely removing people from the rapture. You say, well, preacher, you preached about the fact that we could see that Ezekiel 38 war and... and now you're talking about that, that possibly could happen uh, before that. Yeah, it could happen. We don't know exactly when that rapture is going to happen. But what we're seeing is, is that there's going to be a collapse of the eastern power and the western power. That is going to do one thing. Because of all the chaos, you're going to have chaos when, when all these armies with Russia go into, into Israel and are killed in, on those mountains there. And it wasn't Israel that did it, but it was God that did it. And then all of a sudden this fire or whatever comes down in, in Russia and destroys them. The world is going to be, what's happening? The chaos. What are we going to do? And who's going to step up? And, and we're, what about America? No, wait a minute. They, they're nothing anymore. And it sets the stage for a one world government. It's coming. You say, well, preacher, well, isn't that going to happen uh, after, the, uh, after the, 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 the tribulation starts? No, it's going to happen before. This, what we're talking about, the one world government has to be in place before the tribulation. Now, it doesn't have to be there very long. But it's got to be there before the tribulation. So I thought everything had to happen in the tribulation. Now wait a minute. You gotta put everything together. You gotta put all the pieces together. The one world government will first be comprised and come together, and then it's gonna split into ten kingdoms. Okay? Look at Daniel 7:24. And the ten horns out of this kingdom, out of one comes out of this, are ten kings that shall arise. Some say, will this be NATO? I don't know. Will it be the UN? I don't know. 
but it's going to be leaders all over the world. There's going to be 10 men that are leaders of these 10 governments that will step on the scene for this one world government. As it breaks into this, they'll be broken into the 10, into the 10 ruling regions around the world. And no doubt, probably because of the collapse of the, the West and, and power balance and the economic impact of the worldwide uh, uh, struggles with uh, war and everybody vying to be the superpower again and wanting the dominance, seeking to stabilize the world. And there's going to be such chaos that all of a sudden you're going to have this, 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 this one world government step up and they're going to divide it into ten regions and ten men and ten governments will be over the whole thing. Then you'll have the Antichrist. He'll begin to rise to power. You say, whoa, 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 wait a minute, preacher. You're saying before tribulation, the Antichrist will rise to power before the tribulation starts. Look with me in verse 24 again. The ten horns out of, the, out of this kingdom and are, are ten kings that shall arise and another shall arise after them. And they shall be diverse from the first and he shall subdue three kings. What's going to happen? Well, the identity that Antichrist will be brought out before the tribulation period as he moves into power and puts down three of the other kingdoms and the other kings or leaders, whatever you want to call them. We're using kings because that's the way Daniel refers to them. But he will put down these other kingdoms, these three, so instead of there being ten, there is seven over here and the Antichrist. The seven will lend or give unto him their allegiance, their authority, and they will do whatever he tells them to do. He's going to be very charismatic, and we'll probably maybe next week get into about the Antichrist himself, but he's going to be very charismatic. He's going to be looked upon as a great man. He's going to be looked upon and loved by many, and, and, and he's just in awe. Everybody's in awe of him, and everybody's just swarming over him. And he will rise in power over these ten, ten kingdoms. There'll be seven that'll be left. He will destroy three of them. He will take control. And they'll turn their authority over to him. The other seven, as I said, will lend their authority to him and allegiance to him. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it says, now, talking about him being known before the tribulation starts and him rising to power. It didn't say that he has become that, that dominant force that he will be at the middle of the tribulation. But he has risen to power. He is liked by everybody. They have lended their power to him. But he's going to be known. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1, begin there, it says, Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind, or be troubled, neither by spirit nor by word, nor by letter, as from us. As the day of Christ is at hand, let no man deceive you by any means. Now notice what he says here. For that day, what day is he talking about? The tribulation. For that day shall not come, except there come, uh, there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son 
of perdition. That is the Antichrist. It said that that day shall not come until he be revealed. Get that down. That day shall not come. What day? The tribulation. Until he be, he's revealed. First of all, there's a falling away coming before the tribulation. So what's the falling away? It's an apostasy. It's a turning from the truth. It's turning from the word of God. It's a turning from God himself. There will be, during this period of time, because of all the chaos, and they're looking for some great leader and everything, and, and everything's pushed aside. Instead of turning to God, they will turn away from God. They'll turn away from God. They don't want anything to do with God. You say, well, why would they do that? Well, probably because the rapture took place, and there's no one here preaching the Word of God. There's no one standing in between. The Holy Spirit's been removed and has went, uh, and so we're standing in this chaotic time without, the, without the, the one who will withhold the hand of Satan. But the second thing that we see there before the, before the uh, tribulation starts, there'll become the, a revealing of the Antichrist. Now here's what, what you've got to understand. It's necessary. It is necessary for him to come onto the scene, rise in power, before the tribulation. The reason for that is Israel has to sign the, the, the starting. Here's what a lot of people ha, have failed to see. The starting of the tribulation period is when Israel signs that dotted line on the seven-year covenant. That immediately starts the seven-year tribulation. It is a peace pack. But who did they sign it with? Who did they sign it with? The Antichrist, who has risen to power before the tribulation, before the signing of it. I, I, you say, is that days, weeks, months? I don't know. There's a, there's a time period in there that he rises to power. We don't know how long of a period that's going to be. But he's going to be known as this great uh, 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 leader. And, and everybody's going to lend their power to him. So he's going to come to Israel. And he's going to say, okay, we need a covenant. There's been battle towards you. People have tried to destroy you. We've seen what happened to Russia and all this Muslim bloc. We need to, to, we need to get everything together. We need to have peace in the world. And, and we need to settle down. Everybody's fighting and everybody's worried. We need to settle down. And, and everybody wants you destroyed. So let's do this. Let's make a covenant. A peace pack. We'll sign it for seven years. How's that? You abide by it seven years, we'll abide by it seven years, and we'll take a look at it later. Israel says, man, that'd be nice. I'm getting tired of being chilled and shot at and abused. Remember, Israel hasn't turned back to God yet. Israel hasn't turned back to God yet. They're still thinking in the flesh. Sure. And they sign a seven-year covenant with the one who rose to power before the tribulation, who they feel like they can trust because he's so charismatic. He's brought peace to the other countries. 
And as soon as they sign that seven-year covenant, it will begin the seven-year tribulation. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27. And he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. Who? Satan. Or Antichrist. And in the midst of the week, he shall cause the sacrifice and oblations to cease. For the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate, even unto the consummation, and that, and that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. This covenant will declare peace, but it will begin the sorrows. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 says, But of the times and seasons, brethren, uh, ye have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, otherwise the coming of the Lord, the, that, that day, so cometh as a thief in the night, the tribulation period. For when they shall say peace and safety, notice what he says here, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. I'm not going to get into it tonight. You go to Revelation chapter 6, the seals that are opened. The first seal that is opened, the horse that comes out is a, a man upon it that's carrying a bow, doesn't have any arrows, wearing a crown. But the crown that he's wearing is not a diadem that Jesus Christ will wear when he comes back. This will be a victor's crown that will, the diadem is a picture of royalty of God. The crown that this horseman's going to wear is one of a victor to conquer. At the signing of that covenant, almost simultaneously in heaven, that seal, the first seal in Revelation 6, is pulled back and opened. There's six more seals. The last one will open up into the next judgments. Preacher, what, is, what are you saying? Tonight we're preaching about a one world government that's coming. And it's going to be set in place right there at the tribulation before. And it will be the stepping stone for the Antichrist to rise in power. And he will get Israel to sign a covenant that will open the door of the sixth seal and the beginning of the tribulation period. Let me back up what I, when I started preaching. We need to be busy. Everything that I preached tonight... I can't tell you how America's going to fall. I can't tell you how they're going to be brought down. But boy, you can look around and you can see a lot of reasons why they could. Reasons that used to never would have crossed your mind. That's where we're at. We need to be busy for the Lord. Living for Him. Serving Him. Sharing Him. Walking with Him. Lifting Him up. In these last days, it's coming. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. Thank you for the mercies that you've shown us.
Oh, Lord, it's good to know that we'll be out of here before that tribulation starts. But we may see some of these things take place. We don't know. But we do know that you're coming soon. And we do know that we need to be busy living for you. And we do know, Lord, that you love us, you care for us. Help us to live for you and magnify you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with your heads bowed, your eyes closed?